Riff Raff Revolution. 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 I didn't even, it doesn't even matter. That was great. We should use that every time. I know. <laughs> Can we get yeah. that uncopyrighted? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Hello, this is Riff Raff Revolution, a podcast about real stories about real struggles from real underrepresented comedians. Really? I'm Perry. I'm a theater teacher, a comedy writer, a director, and a performer. Um, and I'm Laura. I'm also a Chicago-based uh, performer and comedy writer. And today we're talking to uh, the duo Abandon. Um, which is composed of Michelle Livio and Brett Knickerbocker. Welcome. Correct. Thank Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, well, first we always kind of ask how you guys got started um, in music together. We met in Los Angeles. And do you want to tell it or do you want you tell it? <laughs> uh, so we met in Los Angeles um, and she was doing comedy. I was doing music. I learned she could sing. She learned I could play music. Um, <laughs> And then we started dating. Yeah. Oh. Um, and we made beautiful music together. Yep. We went uh, on well, our a... First, our first song was actually called I'm So Sad. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh. It was, so it was both a parody of The Cure and a parody of that Michelle Williams, Williams movie with Ryan Gosling where they were just sad. They were sad even... the whole time. But the, the lyrics are, I'm so sad. It was terrible. Because I'm sad. I'm I did not sad. watch that movie because I thought it looked too sad. Did it? Yes. It is. I no, it's very know. sad. Sad movie. That was our first song. Yeah. And then our, then we wrote a song again um, on a camping trip when we got there like way before everyone else. And we're like, well, we shouldn't start camping because that's going to be kind of dirty. So we should just wait for everyone before that's we gonna do That's going to be anything. kind of dirty? <laughs> yeah, what you, a were, thing to you say. were not into camping. I've never been camping before. I, mean, oh, I had like, no idea uh-huh. what, right. what camping meant. So we sat in the car and we wrote uh, a song called Medusa about Oh, that's right. That was Medusa. our second song. That was our second song. Wow. Um, and then our third song, we were on a date. Um, we went to see Jurassic Park in a cemetery. Oh my gosh. Um, in the middle of like Hollywood, because LA is super weird. Yeah. Um, it was the 4th of July. And it was the 4th of July. And so, like, we were in, uh, uh, sitting on a blanket and watching Jurassic Park with like thousands of people. Um, and they're like, this is super weird. There's fireworks going off, there's dinosaurs, <laughs> and I'm like leaning against a tombstone. Why yeah. is this happening? <laughs> So we wrote a song about blankets, and then we—I think at that point we were like, "Well, we should probably do a thing with all of this music." Mm-hmm. I don't know how we came up with the name "Abandon." I don't either. We were a random band, yeah, and we put those two words together, and I think that's how we formed "Abandon." Yeah, I don't think there was a big story behind the name. Mm-mm. I started doing comedy when I was little. Uh, I grew up in a dojo. My dad's a karate person, so my parents met through karate. My mom's from New York. And she did ballet in New York, and she moved to Arizona because she was cold. <laughs> and so she met my dad. She was like, oh, yeah, karate. That's like, uh, that's, you know, like violent dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and so she did karate, and he was her instructor, and they fell in love. 
And so uh, my dad owned a few dojos and I like grew up in a dojo and, and it, it was just, there was this energy of like, well, your dad is like great at this thing. Your mom is great at this thing. Why aren't you immediately through osmosis great at this thing? So We're I just, great at all of those things. Yeah. So I learned how to like fall and be silly and distract. So that's that, I think that was like probably my first like comedy was just like as a distraction. And then, uh, formally I went to Los Angeles when I was 19 and I went through UCB simply because it was the quickest of all of the programs. I looked at all the curriculum and I was like, Oh, UCB has four levels and IO has seven and second city has 12. And I was like, Oh, let's do UCB. (laughs) Boom. Jump right through that. Um, so I did, uh, I did UCB, but I was also doing stand up, and I, so I transitioned. Yeah. I, yeah, I was doing a stand up show and it was with one of your friends. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that guy's cute. And you were like, oh, that girl's cute. And our friend was like, yeah, like each other, tell each other. And we were like, <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> she doesn't like that girl likes me. Yeah. No. We figured it out. Yeah. Straight eventually. Yeah. Well, but the, yeah, that was, yeah, I, I, I did like improv. So I transitioned from stand-up to improv. Yeah. It was a long story. was a long story. <laughs> well, I got there all, eventually. All great stories. <laughs> and Brett, have you ever thought to try improv or stand up yourself? Yeah. Uh, I've done some improv. Mm-hmm. I took one class in LA uh, at uh, Mission Improbable. Mission Improbable. What's the name of the Santa Monica Promenade? Yeah, uh, and that was fun. And then I took one class here uh, when we moved back here a few years ago at um, I can never remember the name of any theater. Ph. Oh, Ph. PH Comedy Theater. Yeah, so we um, signed up for a musical improv class. Mm-hmm. She was like, hey, do this musical improv class <laughs> with me. Fun. It'll be great. We do music. This is improv. This will help everything. It'll be so much fun. And I said, okay, cool. We'll do one class. It was a year program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was oh, like, surprise. <laughs> yeah. By the way. Also, I'm too busy. So... <laughs> So then a lot of it, he was like by himself in this program, but it was fun. It like, we got so much sillier. No, it was, it was a lot of fun. In our performances. But I showed up at the end of the first class and I was like, she just said something about this goes through December. I was like, how about that? I guess, (laughs) I guess we're here and we have to do it now. We had fun. How do you feel that you use what you learned in that in your um, performance and writing music? Um... I think way more in the performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the writing of the music, we've always been at least lyrically pretty improvised until we find like a thing and then we we hit that. And even then, some of our lyrics are still pretty nonsensical. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a mix of things that make absolutely no sense mm-hmm. and then things that... Like very serious topics. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Like Medusa is, is a, a, a song that lyrically, like we sat there and like actually wrote it out. Right. But like Shonda, the, the ballad of Shonda Rhimes is like nonsense. Right. And that's uh, the, the trick we play on the theoretical audience is, uh, hey, do these lyrics mean something? They, they might. Um, so I'd say the improv helped in the performance aspect. Yeah. Cause Not we're, you're, the songwriting. Yeah, sillier. Yeah. You can be serious. Yeah. Do you start writing the lyrics for a song first or do you have a melody? I it depends. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times I just write out lyrics. You and then usually he'll, write the lyrics. And then he'll get his guitar yeah. and start adding something to it. And sometimes I have maybe a melody in my mind, but mm-hmm. a lot of times I have like a rhythm. Yeah. Or like a, a feel for it. I'm like, I want this to have like a fifties feel or I want this mm-hmm. to be fast or jumpy or mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And if I'm 
spearheading the song. I usually kind of do both at the same time, music and lyrics. Yeah. So. That's awesome. How does it compare being involved in the music scene versus the comedy scene? I think it's tough because whenever I book us for shows, it's usually at a comedy show. So we'll mm -hmm. have like a 10-minute set and we'll be the only musical people there and we'll do like maybe three songs. And when he books us for a set, we'll have like a 45 minute set and people won't understand our songs. And <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's, we're weird. So yeah, it, it is hard to balance those two things. I think it's kind of a blessing and a curse for different reasons on both sides of it. Like when we do, uh, and I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day, like as a musical act doing a comedy show, it's usually a variety show. So there's usually a stand up act, a couple improv, uh, improv troops or something. Um, and then we get in there and we do music and it's normally great because it's a change in the vibe and people are usually really into it, which is great, but we get like six minutes. So we go up there and we're like, hi, we, we have songs and we do one <laughs> and a half of them and then they're giving us the light. And, mm, and yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, oh, it was only six minutes. But then like Michelle said, if we do a music show, we have to go there and set up and then we're like in a bar and we're trying to play a song where Michelle's acting like a child and there's someone who's like, I'm drinking a Miller Lite. What do you want? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's we have very to change, interesting. Right. It's, sometimes we're not funny enough for the comedy shows, but we're too funny for the music shows. Mm -hmm. So there's a weird balance. There's a lot of adapting on the fly that has to happen. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of approach that, like adapting them? Like we don't, we don't wear the outfits at the bars. Right. Or, or no I won't props. Do the, yeah, not a lot of oh. character voices, not, mm -hmm. less dancing. It's less showy yeah. at like a music venue. And sometimes we know they're not paying attention to us like at a bar. So we'll riff like a lot. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. we're like, it doesn't matter. We could say anything. We could talk about anything. No one's paying attention. Gosh. So that's Has weird. Been that would bother me. Yeah. We're just in the background. Right? We're just in the background. Yeah, we're... Because wow. if you think about it, right, like when you go to a restaurant, you just kind of tune out the band a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to make people laugh and they're tuning you, it's like, it's hard. It can be hard. Yeah. People you have to work are, really hard. There's like a frat party over there that's like, they're not playing Sweet Caroline. We don't care. Oh, <laughs> frat, what year frat is it? Frat party, bachelor party is what I meant. They're, aren't they're, they, the they're the same. They're the same. They're the same. <laughs> right. the same thing. Have there been times when you have been like really riffing and like no one is reacting? Like you've said some really out there stuff and like oh yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely no one is yeah. <laughs> reacting. To yeah, it. like yeah, that sounds fun. It's it's actually kind of freeing, yeah, because you're just like we could do whatever, we could say whatever, we could sing whatever. Yeah, we'll try out weird stuff. I think the weirdest part is when you're playing like a bar show and no one's paying attention, but then there's like one or two people that you mm -hmm. don't know right. that are paying attention. Right. And then what do you do? Because we, yeah, we try to, I was like, no one's paying attention. Let's do Lose Yourself, but as a jazz song. And then I remember at the end of it, someone like clapped. Yeah. And we were like, oh, right. we're paying attention. And then they'll like come and they'll sit up front and they'll like put their hands on their chin and watch us. <laughs> and we'll be like, wait a minute, should we do the bits? Should we just play the songs? What do we do now? Yeah, then we, we get nervous. We thought we were in like a little black hole that no one was looking at. Like a bubble. Right, yeah. right. What does this one person want? What do they want? <laughs> we're not in our living room. How do we tailor a show to one person in a room of 50? Yeah. It's very confusing. Oh, wow. So would you consider yourself like a comedy group or how would you just like explain your group as a whole or as a style? That's been a challenge. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Quirky. Yeah. I'd say we're, we're more along the lines of like just kind of a 
quirky pop duo. Um, and if it veers more towards comedy, so be it. And if it veers more serious, so be it. Like Zoe Deschanel without the cutesiness. Without the cutesiness? Yeah, with quirkiness. I don't think we're cutesy. But we're not adorkable is what no, you're No, we're not adorkable. I see. We're just <laughs> No dorks. one plays a ukulele. No, no, no ukulele. <laughs> no, no, no exactly. ukulele. Though. No okay. ukulele. Right, right. We're not that quirky. Right. Mm-hmm. We have a full actual sized guitar. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's been a challenge as far as booking shows and playing shows too, is like, which side do you cater to yeah. is the more comedic aspect or the more just kind of straightforward musical aspects. How would you describe your ideal audience then? Mm. That would help us. <laughs> well, thanks, right. uh, I think we're, we're starting to go a little bit more serious. Yeah. So I, I do like theatricality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like a bar gig is not really for us, but I also don't think it like a straight comedy show yeah. is really for us either. Yeah. Um, some sort of like theater. I think somewhere between a coffee house audience and a theater audience is kind of, cause both, I feel like those are both places where people get up on stage with an acoustic guitar and people are in the audience that will actually listen and actually pay attention. So whether we're being kind of funny or we're not, I think that's kind of our goal is uh, an attentive audience, which is probably every (laughs) musical artist's answer. But Yeah, we want people to be like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Or, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Or maybe, hmm, yeah. Oh, those sorts of things. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. That audience. And then, can I buy all of your things and here is my money? (laughs) <laughs> That's what, yeah, but well, can I buy all of your things? We have two albums. Mm-hmm. You you make it seem like we'll we have too. like sweaters and uh, shirts and. Well, you could I'll give have them my sweater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually do give away things at our shows. Mm-hmm. So we're moving right now, and I usually just have a bag of stuff that I. It's like this will get donated, so instead. Uh, we walk through the aisle and just hand people things. So I'm like, oh hey, gosh. here's a book. Uh, here's a shirt. Uh, here's a lanyard. Uh, here's a, you know, we just give away things. Yeah. Free swag. Free you don't swag. You have to pay to get your logo on it or yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but people <Yeah>. will remember. <laughs> yeah. That's and then cool. we don't have to go to the Salvation Army. A year from yeah. now, someone will find a teddy bear that we didn't know we had in the bottom of their closet. And they'll be like, I got this from somebody at a show. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah, usually we'll like staple <laughs> one of our business cards to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. How long have you been uh, like officially performing as a group? We started performing pretty soon after we started. Like we, we, it was like we started making art. Yeah. Pretty, pretty soon after we started dating. I'd say six or seven years mm-hmm. on and off in different kind of aspects of the 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 band yeah because we started dating in 2010 yeah and i feel like we because we were making right we were making music i'm so sad we made at your at your whatever apartment that was what what town was that i don't know one one of those places in the valley that's full of no hope (laughs) oh That's that why you made of California. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just Los Angeles. Okay. That's why you made a sad song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that town called? Uh, Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry, people listening from Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks. <laughs> well, whatever. You had a mall I never went to. <laughs> Sherman Oaks. 
Yeah. So 2010 probably. So. Yeah. Around then. It's about seven years. Yeah. We have a ton of songs. Like, we, I mean, I write, I write a lot. I, I, I write a lot. I, I think I, I looked at it the other day and I was like, oh, I have 144 pages Ooh. of, like, poems, essentially, of ideas, um, which is, like, maybe 500. I mean, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we've actually written or produced maybe 20. Probably. Yeah. So there's an overabundance of ideas. Yeah. They're not all gems. Not every, and I'm not saying, no, not just yours. We've written songs together and been like, no, we're probably never playing that one again. That's the nature of songwriting. I've, I've thrown away more songs than I've ever used. Yeah, you have a ton too. No, yeah. He has quite a few projects outside of ours. Mm-hmm. What kind of projects? Uh, I do, so I do original stuff that's similar to what we do, but more rock and no comedy. Not really. Um, and then I, play in a few other bands. I play with my uh, buddy Andrew Robert Palmer uh, playing bass. And then I play in a Jimmy Eat World cover band called Salt, Sweat, Sugar. I was in that for a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Chicago's premier Jimmy Eat Ooh. World tribute band. Get it right. Uh, and yeah, some cover bands here and there. And lot too many things. Lots of things. <laughs> I do music. I, I do mint uh, I've done a couple of seasons of Mint. They, uh, MCL used to have a thing called Project Broadway. Did you guys know about that? Mm-hmm. So it was really neat. It was like you would create a musical sketch show on like Sunday, and then you would perform it on Wednesday. Oh, wow. And every single week you would create a new 20-minute set. So stressful. And uh, it was great. <laughs> oh, I loved it because you were like constantly like memorizing things. And oh, it was awesome. That's, that's so, something that I'm currently doing with um, Generation Latinx is they create a sketch show on Saturday, and then they perform it on Tuesday. So every single week they're doing a new sketch show. What is that called? I feel like I've seen. We call it, we're, we're in process is what we're calling it. Okay. So like the stuff that we like, we're going to keep and rework. And the stuff that we don't like, we throw away. I mean, people saw it. Whoever was there saw it. Very cool. We wanted to ask you a little bit about your Generation Latinx involvement. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. A Generation Latinx is an ensemble of people that have Hispanic heritage. And there's improv, there's sketch. And then there's a digital um, department. So the digital does videos. So we produce, uh, I produce two videos a month about. Um, And then there's varying levels. So there's English, Spanglish, and Spanish. So it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And then there are people on the teams, and then there are people that coach the teams. And you have shows. When are they? We have shows. (laughs) Tell us about that. Yes, we have shows. Uh, We have live shows Tuesdays. Uh, at te- currently, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. at the I.O. Chicago in the Mission Theater. Uh, but we also have little indie teams, and they perform all over. If you want to book us, just Facebook message us, and we'll go wherever. <laughs> Woo-hoo. And the sketch aspect is new, you said? The sketch aspect is this season. Uh, the live sketch aspect, yeah. The digital, I started the digital department in January. So we've been doing about... I think we, I released the first sketch in April, the first digital sketch. And then I believe I've been doing about two a month since April 2018. I think that's, I think that's so cool that they have the digital sketch mm-hmm. aspect because I feel like a lot of groups don't have that. How did that kind of come about? A lot of effort. <laughs> I, love, I love film. Um, that's, I've always wanted to do film and I've always wanted to do digital 
And I know how much work it is because it's, you know, you need camera, you need editing, you need lighting, you need writers, you need actors. It's a lot. (laughs) And right. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I wanted to do it. So I just started getting people and, and building the team. And so at its core, there's a writing team and they, uh, pitch ideas and then from those ideas the next week they pitch sketches from those sketches they then do a second draft then they usually send one to three ideas that they think are the best to me and I say okay I like this one let's produce it so then I attach a cast I get locations I attach a crew we film it they uh, you, a lot of times it's me editing them but uh, sometimes it's people on the on the team as well they give me a cut uh, or I give myself a cut, <laughs> and I, I screen it at one of the shows. And based on the audience's reaction, or just based on my reaction as well, I do another cut, and I screen that in front of the audience, and then based on that second cut, I do a third cut, and that's the one I release. Wow. So it takes a while. That sounds very involved. Yeah, it's very, it is very involved. And you also kind of coordinate all the other groups too, yes. right? I'm in charge of it all, yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. So How, you, yeah. What are, what are some of the biggest challenges with, like, doing all of that? It's just attaching people and, and being aware of people's availability. Because usually I'll attach a director to a team and I'll have a director. Usually I, I try to ask the directors to have at least a month of of availability. But if they're like, oh, I booked a gig, right? I got to make money. People got to make money. Then I got to get them a sub. Or sometimes it's me doing, you know, subbing in for them. And then there's also the language aspect. So not, you know, not all Hispanic people speak Spanish. So a lot of times I, if it's the Spanish team, then I need to give them a coach that speaks Spanish. And if it's the English team, then it's a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, the, the Spanish team is a little bit harder because of the, because of the language aspect. Why did you feel it was important to also have a Spanish language team and an English language team? I think that the, the Spanish team, people, when they think of Hispanic people, they just think, oh, Spanish, right? You speak Spanish and this is a thing. And I, I do have a lot of people in the group that are immigrants. Like I have people from Venezuela and from Spain and from Ecuador. And so it's very, like it's their first language. Like it's very important to them, that language. But there's also a lot of people that are like second, third, fourth generation that are disconnected from that. They're just American. Um, they've lost that language for whatever reason and they don't feel hispanic because people put that upon them that you need to have this language mm-hmm. and or you can't be part of these groups mm-hmm. so the english group was actually a little bit more important to me simply because those people and still do they they feel ostracized from the community i just had a guy the other day actually uh, that was like, can I be part of your group? And he started like speaking Spanglish to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you don't have to prove to me that you're Hispanic. Like, be you're Hispanic, then you are. And you can be part of the group. And I have an English department, you know, because of that. Because like, that's your, like, however you Hispanic is correctly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was very important um, to me to have people just be comfortable in a room. Like if they want to switch to Spanish, then they can. And if it's more comfortable for them. And if they want to speak English, then they can. And no one's going to make them feel weird about that. So that's why it's just very important to me and to them. Yeah, that's great. 
That's cool that um, you have so many different aspects that people can be involved with. It's a lot. In general. Yeah, yeah and it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to coordinate. It it's doesn't cool. always work. You know, I want it to work, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes mm-hmm. there are miscommunications, and it happens, you know. And how long has Generation Latinx been around? It, one year. We just celebrated our one year in August. Wow. So, yeah, it started. I started it July 2017, July, August Around then. So, yeah, one year. It seems so much, so established for yeah. one year. I really yeah. thought it was longer than a year. Yeah, we have That's about wild. 75 members and about 30 that are active this season. So, yeah. And do you have a YouTube channel for your sketches? Yes. We have, a, we have all the social medias. We have a YouTube and an Instagram and a Snapchat and a Twitter. We have all the things. And you also direct too, right? Yes. What has your transition into that been like or when did you start doing that I guess um I I mean it it was a lot of facilitating it was a lot of like producing and and once I got people in positions that I could give them some power and some autonomy then I could start taking a step back and start being a little bit more creative and not just facilitating Mm -hmm. um so it did take a while I don't I don't think I started directing within Generation Latinx until now. I mean, now is the first. So this is season four. So it took a full year for me to start directing the live shows. And then I think I didn't start directing some of the digital stuff for maybe nine. Yeah, it took like nine months just to get people in positions so that I could take a little bit of a step back mm-hmm. from producing. But I'm still producing and I'm still doing all of those things. It's like, what do we need? Who is missing? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, hold a boom mic great okay you know whatever it is do you have any advice for someone who would be interested in starting a group like generation latinx yeah you gotta be (laughs) diligent and you gotta be willing i mean you gotta be willing to do anything you know i mean on some of the sketches it's like the lead actor didn't show up and i'm like great i'm doing it you know or uh the transportation it's like how are we getting this equipment i'm like i'm doing it you just need to be willing to do Anything be everywhere, especially with as many people as I have. It's like this person's mad at that person, and this person can't work with that person. And I'm like, okay, great, you're all adults. Just, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> you got to be willing to like apologize for other people, and you have to be able to see it from a bird's eye view. Be very organized, but also be creative and hear people's ideas and be flexible, and be willing to yell at people <laughs> and be like, uh, you need to knock it off. You know, so. Um, it can be tough sometimes because like I want to hang out with people but I'm the executive producer you know so sometimes people will tell me like yeah we're going out drinking and I'm like cool don't tell me this story it's a liability (laughs) I'm walking out of the room (laughs) you know so um, yeah there is this like this distance that I can like I I have to be able to distance myself to, to facilitate everything I mean to orchestrate you know sort of And make sure that the pieces keep moving. And if something breaks, I have to be willing to fix it on whatever level it is. Hmm. Also be okay with never sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a lot. I mean, with 75 people there, they message you a lot about a lot of stuff. (laughs) You know, you've got people messaging you on on every level. Um, level, You've got directors and assistants and and members asking you, you know, a million questions and not reading your emails. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Constantly. Which is why, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm okay with that. La raza, which means the people, the race. 
It's for, it's for the people. That's the whole point. It's like for diversity. I mean, yeah, I'm willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you see an English show, a Spanish show? It was both, right? I think it was only the uh, English team that night okay. and the video sketch. Too. Yes. There was also... I'm probably a guest a team. team. I think. That was a while. Wait, which... It was the second to last one of the season, I think. Oh, yeah. And there was a director set. That maybe that was oh, what I was thinking yeah, about. There was one. Uh, there was a couple scenes that wasn't were in Spanish. Yeah. Um, I also saw your um, show at Bentwood, so I'm thinking about that too. But you weren't at that one, were you? That was just video. Yeah, it was just that was video. all of our. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we put together essentially that was our first season of of digital, and it was I think we produced twelve videos, and I put it together, and essentially it was like a twenty three minute like pilot. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah right. and that was cool because I, I don't know if any other Bentwood group was just showing their video sketch, but that's like an important part of the comedy community too, seeing that. So that was cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and that was a mixed bag too because we did improv. Mm-hmm. And you um, also did improv. Yeah, I think there was supposed to be an out-of-town team that opened up for us, but I think there was a miscommunication or something. Oh. And so I had only prepared half an hour. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and they were like, you got an hour. And I was like, great. Uh, who from the ensemble is in the audience? You're getting on stage. And they like they didn't know. And I was like, everybody get up on the stage right now. And they were like, oh, okay, we're doing uh, improv. And so most of those people are on different teams. So I think oh, wow. I had like three digital people – two directors, two English team, and one, like, Spanglish team. And I was like, great, we're doing improv. Well, it's improv, we'll figure it out. I was fine. <laughs> we, we, we worked it out. Luckily, there are improvisers, and yeah. they're ready to do whatever, whatever. Well, yeah, most of them were improvisers. There were some uh, writers that were like, I'm on a stage, and I hate that. <laughs> Uh-oh. me. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was always my problem yeah. with it, too. Yeah. Uh, back in Act 1, there was a line that wasn't precisely what it should have been in my head. Let us go back there. Oh, plotting. <laughs> yeah, Brett yeah. is a writer. There you go. <laughs> Do you write comedy? Uh, not generally. Uh, I would say I like genre stuff, so I tend to stick to that. Um, and there's, like, comedy in it, but not... Not like sitcom comedy, not jokes. Mm. Uh, Dramedy. 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 Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Noir. Like a Veronica Mars. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make a show about that. Let's call it Veronica Mars. Let's call it Veronica Mars? (laughs) Oh, that's been done. It's coming back on Hulu, I think. (gasps) Oh, wait, really? Not with Kristen Bell, though. Because she's on The Good Place. There was just a rumor <laughs> that she was going to be able to do two shows. Are you spreading rumors? Oh, you're blowing yes, my mind right now. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Um, please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> we won't release this until it's official. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned um, in one of your emails to us that um, you had been to some shows that may have made um, Brett uncomfortable because of the composition of the audience, perhaps, and their expectations. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these diversity shows, I, they, they say, like, we're all inclusive, mm-hmm. and this is a diverse show, but then there will be no white people there. And if, if there is a white person there, they'll, like, start, like, yelling at that person and making them feel really bad. I haven't been yelled at. 
but it's but it's been obvious that like I've, there there have been certain shows, and I think that's one of the great things about Generation Latinx is like you do a great job of not letting that be your show, not letting it be like we're Latin and everyone in the audience that isn't let's rip on you now. Um, it's it's just a hey we're all people, um, but that yeah I've been to shows before that are like that, and it's like I, I'm here supporting your show. I'm sorry. Just with you being in the audience? Yeah. Oh. They'll, they'll like, huh. tell a joke, and then, like, they'll see the white people. I'm like, oh, oh no, here it comes. It's, like, berating like you that. or, like, white. It, I just, I think it's insane. Yeah. Hmm. Like, if you actually want equality, then why are you? shouldn't make anyone feel bad. Boys, girls, straight, gay, anyone, right? I mean, that's not equality, then. Hmm. I don't think. We were just talking about um, audience composition last week. Mm-hmm. And then we go to a lot of... Uh, POC shows and we look at the audience and a lot of the times it's not a lot of you know Caucasians and yeah in the audiences and then mm-hmm. when we were at Benwood and we saw a lot of the IO house teams and it was pretty much I don't know what would you say a pretty mixed audience or uh yeah we were thinking specifically about shows we went to see that were um maybe a group that was all white and then a group that was POC and I, I just thought it was interesting seeing their audience, too, because we don't go to a lot of shows where it's, um, I, like, success, I guess successfully diverse. Um, right. It and, feels segregated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can feel very segregated. Yeah. yeah. And I was just starting to think, are, we're creating this really awesome community of, like, POC performers, but is, is it intermingling with also, like, the rest of the comedy community? Or is it know. its own space? Yeah. Yeah. When I was first doing the Generation Latinx shows, I had POC openers, and and it was a very POC show. And then I started, you know, because I, 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 I'm at IO, and that like that's our hub, and I want it to be integrated. I mean, that's very important, right? It's I don't want us to just be this niche thing that's separate from everyone else. So mm-hmm. this season and last season too, I started asking if IO could schedule their house teams their herald teams so it's like a predominantly white herald team opening for our show so that the even if just they do their show and then sit in the audience at least that's 12 you know white people that are in the audience so it's a little bit more diverse and not completely segregated so they're like oh this is a thing that's happening cool Mm -hmm. like i'm and we're i'm like if ever in a rehearsal they're like white people are like this white people i'm like i'm like yeah calm yourselves down all right (laughs) like no we're not we're not gonna make anyone feel bad about who they are and like however you are is how you are and that's correct don't make people feel bad because even us there's like mixed race people in in my like i'm mixed race right so if someone's like i like white people are like this i'm like cool my mom is one of my favorite people in the whole world and she's white so you talk bad about my mama (laughs) (laughs) my mama raised me you're wrong okay i'll get heated she'll come here and whoop them yeah i'll get heated my mom's great so it just you know makes me upset (laughs) um also when you reached out to us too you told us that um Sometimes in situations when you're together, you feel like the uh, majority minority roles are flipped. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your experiences with that? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, like you were talking about the difference between having uh, a mainly Caucasian audience versus a POC audience, etc. Obviously, the ultimate goal is like everything will be everybody. 
when it'll all be together. Um, but we've, I mean, we've moved around a lot, um, like the country, um, and we lived in... Los um, Angeles was the most diverse, I would Los say. Los Angeles wasn't, yeah, absolutely. Because everyone is just, I mean, mostly everyone is like too busy, caught up in their own head to like care what anybody is. <laughs> um, and so they're just running around and everyone's like, people, I don't care. Uh, I have to be at an audition now. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, lost hope. Uh, Brett doesn't so, like Los Angeles. So we went to Tucson, and uh, Tucson is uh, if you like, if you haven't been there, it's like an hour from the Mexico border. So it's a very heavy Hispanic population in Tucson. Um, and especially he was with my family, which is right. predominantly Hispanic. And so her whole my extended family is there. Um, and it was it was interesting for me to experience what I what she experiences in places like suburban Illinois. Uh, or we lived in Salt Lake City for a while, and it was the same thing. It was scary there. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but they would be like, hey, Meester, are you a vampire? I'm like, yes, I am. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, his skin is so white. Yeah I, I, yeah, I was a substitute teacher for a little while in Tucson, um, and the, the classes were predominantly Hispanic kids. Um, and it was, it was very eye opening to kind of see that perspective, um, and get called a vampire on a daily basis. Yeah. Really? Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, yes, sit down. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, yeah. Uh, or like when we went to, we just went to Me- Mexico city mm-hmm. and everyone was like, <laughs> like just slowly turning it, like trying not to look at him, but definitely looking at him. Like he was like a a, a wild starfish. I'm like, what is this creature? Well, one time was because we were on a woman only bus, and I didn't know how to read the sign. It's true. Because oh. yeah. I'm a doof. In Mexico City, in the subways, they try to yeah, they that, they do uh, segregate the women from yeah. the men to for safety reasons. And there's like a million cops. And so mm-hmm. I was on the one of the buses, and I was like, hey, I think we're on the wrong. Like, I don't think you should be on this And bus. I was like, no, no, no. It's just, it's this. painted pink because it's a vibrant culture. Look, I know. Oh, no, crap. I'm an idiot. Right. And it was like an oh, express no. bus. So we were on there for a very long time. And there was lots oh, of women no. taking pictures of him. Very upset <laughs> yeah, that he was on yeah. the bus. That's my fault. ask if anybody I mean, said anything. <laughs> oh, they were mad. Oh, no. They pointed to the sign. And yep. Like, and I was and like, he was like, I'm sorry. And then I you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. But yeah, but yeah, it's like uh, a lot of the POC shows, like he'll be the only white person, but then uh, at a lot of the other non-POC specific shows, I'll be the only, you know, minority there. So it, it does flip of like, who is, who is the minority? And it's interesting. Or like some of these like heavy, heavy, like, yeah, female power. And then Brett's like, hi, <laughs> I am here to support. Um, then, you know, then he's like one of the lone guys there. But mm-hmm. I think, but you need that. You need, mm-hmm. you know, any allies are good, I think. It's interesting though that you've observed the like yeah. differences um, in those situations too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right, because you think like, oh, white, cis, het, male, like he's always going to be the majority, but not, not always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not at a lot of improv shows. At mine, right? At the, at the yeah. yeah. Which just goes to show it's there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. 
Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, of ultimately, like that's a good thing that those shows are there. You just got to get more me's there to diversify the audience and vice versa. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a thing with like Generation Latinx where now we're sort of all together. So when I hear about, you know, for example, Mint was like, oh, Mint's having auditions. And I was like, go audition, go mm-hmm. do it. Right. Because we can do our own thing and we can be like, hey, aren't we cool to ourselves? <laughs> but eventually you need to get out there and go to other theaters and stuff. And there's been a lot of groups that have spun off from mine. There's like Midnight Miami and Rata de dos Patas and Las Tinas. And it's like, great. You know, they're, in, they're all, at all these other places. I think that's wonderful. I want that more. It's great. So, um, yeah, you got to get out there. Well, it's about time. It's about that time for the final part. Swedish fish. For Swedish fish. <laughs> well, our last segment, um, we sent you the prompt that was um, if you could satirize how um, you feel marginalized in, in life or in the comedy community, and that can apply to your group um, or... However, and it did I, I don't know if I said this or not in the comedy community or in life. I think I did. Um, how would you do that? And what does that inspire in you? We've been we've been saying this recently that our song Unleavened is about forbidden love, essentially. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Brett is mostly Irish and I'm Mexican. And, and so, you know, people, depending on like different situations, you know, people will treat him a certain way. People will treat me a certain way. And so we have this, this star crossed <laughs> West side story type of love. And, uh, we, so we wrote a song, um, called unleavened. It's like a fifties ballad about that forbidden love, but we thought, Oh, that's too serious. So we'll mm-hmm. make it metaphoric about bread and the forbidden love of bread. And so that's one of the songs mm-hmm. that that we do that, like, encompasses us. I'll say that uh, <laughs> we were touching on the, the seriousness of, like, music before. And uh, as far as, I don't know if marginalization is the best term, but, um, like, as a person who is much more of a musician than a comedian or a, or a, a comedic performer, uh, it's interesting to not not even relating to the stage performance aspect of what we do um, to just be at different theaters and interacting with improvisers and stand-ups. Not as a comedian. Not as a comedian because what I notice as a musician, because I'm used to interacting with musicians and most musicians are um, either down to earth or totally aloof. And like they (laughs) they either want to talk to you about like beer or they want to talk to you about nothing and go away, please. And then... Uh, and just brood. And just corner. brood. Or, like, go over their parts in their head or play a guitar in the corner or just hit something with drumsticks because they have so much energy. Um, but then, like... In the In the, yes. In the comedic, uh, in the, like, improv and stand-up world, um, I try to talk to people, and it's like... They're always, they're doing a bit. I'm like, I'm, it's bits, bits. I'm talking to you though, but you're doing, that is true. and that they're is expecting true. me to do a bit. And half the time I'm like, I'm going to go over there now. Bye. He finds it exhausting. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm not bidding with you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm here to do a show. Are you here to do a show? And then they're, they're doing a character. Right. 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 Like, I, I don't have a character voice to come at you with. Bye. <laughs> 
Yeah. Sorry, bye. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was talking to a character this whole time, not a real person. Cool, 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 cool. Does your character have a Twitter? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so if you were to put that into a song. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't have my guitar. I can't play an arpeggio under that. I should have brought my guitar. Can you vocalize the guitar? <laughs> there you go. This is a polyrhythm. I thought we were building the loop. <laughs> no, because it will go away. And then we were going to sprout <laughs> other heads. But then I've lost that. I've lost it. Because yeah. I'm only one person. We, okay. don't have a loop we should have brought right. a looper. <laughs> we need a vocal looper. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go again. <laughs> what, of, again. The, of the one I just did or a new one? Uh, whatever. You ready? Yeah, go. Do you know what you're going to do? No. Do something. Well, this will be like a real, true abandon, like nonsense. Oh, we can I'm do that. So excited! Yeah, yeah okay. And then we'll okay. see. Should we sing backup? Okay. Can we sing backup? Yeah, if you want. Oh yeah, right, we're gonna okay. sing backup. Well, Perry can actually sing. Yeah, you can that's sing. Too. We backups of all kinds. Yeah, of we'll people. do like a soundscape. Ooh, so yeah. essentially, we Ooh, just yeah. need to like set up like some sort of like beat. Yeah. I'll set up a beat, and then we'll go from there. You can okay. just like. So you can, it, yeah, I mean, something simple would be like boom, 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 but then someone would have to take the boom. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. So then I can be like, keep it going, keep it going. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, bada boom, bada boom, bada boom, bada boom, bada I don't wanna talk to your character. Boom, I just wanna talk to your face. Boom, bada 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 to stand boom. up on that boom. stage boom. Boom. and play the guitar because tonight I actually boom. brought my guitar have a conversation with me just a real conversation with me cha cha Yay! Yay. <laughs> that, that jingle brought to you by Swedish Fear. <laughs> Do you want to plug social media shows, album? Mm -hmm. Tell us all the things. Yeah. Um, yeah, the easiest way to find us is abandonband.com. And then usually we have, we have our two albums on there and our show dates. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, you can like Google abandon, but it's going to say things like, you meant abandon, right? <laughs> right. And then no, you have to not. hit, no, I meant abandon, and then it'll eventually show up on like page two. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you got really to really abandon band.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on. Uh, we're on all the things. All the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're on all the things. 
Great. That was fun. Cool. Thanks for yeah. 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 Thanks for coming. Do 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 being with us. Start recording a new intro. Yes. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having. This has been a Neighbor Inc. podcast. Go to neighborinc.com for more details. Follow Riff Raff Revolution on social media at r underscore r underscore revolution because they couldn't get a more convenient handle. This episode was edited by Jacob Duffy Hallblive and Dominic Guanzin. This episode was produced by Perry Hunt and Laura Leela. Tune in next week for an interview with Devin Middleton. Bye! Bye! Bye. That was another one. I know, but I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> That's the improv. Mm. He's not an improv. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> it's over. <laughs>